You're listening to the Community Pulse Podcast, a podcast on developer relations, community management, and everything in the tech community spectrum. Welcome your hosts, Mary Thangball, Jason Hand, and PJ Haggerty. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Community Pulse. My name is Jason Hand. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Hand, and I'm here with uh, one of my other hosts, PJ Haggerty. Say hello, PJ. Hey, everybody. It's PJ. Uh, as always, you can find me as Asplenic on Twitter, A-S-P-L-E-E-N-I-C. Uh, and we have a couple of great guests with us today. We have a wonderful talk. We're, we're calling this episode Moving Day. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about you know what happens when you change jobs and you have to move from one community to another, or when you, for example, have to completely change kind of your personal brand. What does that mean? Does it mean anything at all? We don't know, but we've got uh, Joel Lord from Red Hat and Alice Nolan from Box. And as a special, extra special thing, Alice is going to read for us uh, our, our sponsorship message from IBM. So Alice, take it away. Yeah, today's episode is sponsored by IBM. Are you building cloud applications with Java, AI, machine learning, serverless, and containers? IBM provides a large number of code patterns, sample applications, articles, tutorials, and videos to help you build faster. All code is available on GitHub. You can incorporate any code into existing applications or use it to start a new application. Simply go to communitypulse.io slash IBM developer to access IBM developer resources and start building. Find them on Twitter at IBM developer. Awesome. So I think with that, we are ready to get started. Oh, before we start, uh, unfortunately, Mary could not make it today. So all those big Mary Thangval fans, thank you for sticking it out and listening to the rest of the podcast, even though she's not here. Um, Send your complaints to mary at communitypulse.io. Uh, but in all seriousness, we'd like to welcome Joel and Alice. Uh, Joel, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself since Alice already took the promo? Sure. Uh, so, hi, everyone. I'm Joel Lord. Um, I work as a developer advocate, and I've recently joined the OpenShift team at Red Hat. Uh, so I've been doing DevRel for the last uh, two years or so. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, so I just moved there. You can reach me on Twitter at Joel underscore underscore Lord. And Alice? <laughs> uh, my name is Alice Noland, and that's A-L-Y-S-S. Um, so it looks like I butchered Alyssa. Uh, and I'm a senior developer advocate at Box, and I've been working in developer relations for about the last five years. You can find me on Twitter at PreciselyAlice, spelled the way I just described. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so both of you have kind of been in the game for a while, but both of you have recently, or maybe not recently, gone through a job change. And uh, this is interesting to me because um, as we've talked about before on the podcast, like I've had a few jobs. I am an old person and I've had, I've been doing uh, developer, DevRel, Dev Advocacy for a while. Um, I've had, I've worked at big companies, I've worked at small companies, but there's always kind of a change that occurs when you move from job to job. Um, so my first question would kind of be like, when that, when that comes to happen, do you, realizing that it's time to look for a new job? Do you start to look for something that kind of remains in the same community? Like, oh, I am a Ruby developer and therefore I'm going to stick to jobs that will keep me in that community so I can kind of safely maintain those friendships and network connections that I've had. Or do you say, maybe it's time for a change. I'm going to go and become an advocate for uh, NoSQL out of the blue. Joel, do you want to start or should I? Go ahead. Okay. Um, so I've jumped around a fair bit. Uh, I started out with an e-commerce platform that had a fair number of APIs, um, had its entire front-end framework based on Node.js, so I was kind of 
split across two worlds. And then I went into developer marketing and being a part of the community is not quite as important when you're, it's, it's not treated as a part of a job requirement when you're in marketing. Um, and, and so there, there's this very abrupt shift. I went from helping maintain open source repositories, thinking about creating a good open source community to maybe I'm just in the forums. Um, and, and that was a bit of a shock to the system. I really enjoyed this idea of like running performance, how much that was impactful to businesses and their conversion, especially small businesses. Um, but it didn't stop me because my, the philosophy that I've held is you can fall in love with any industry, you can fall in love with any problem. Um, the thing that matters at the end of the day is that you are happy where you're at and you're not just simply there to serve the needs of the, the community and the company that you work for. So, so that's, I, I found that to be true as, I, as I've moved from marketing into box, um, but it is a lot of work, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I did pretty much the same thing. I, I stick to, well, I, I somewhat stick to the same communities. I've been uh, involved in JavaScript and PHP communities for a while. And I moved from a company that did security products um, into another uh, company that is more focused on DevOps. So they don't really have anything together and it, the communities are very different. Um, but I've kind of always had a foot into the JavaScript and PHP community. So that's, that's kind of where I, that's my easy way in. So I, I stick to those communities where I'm familiar with and I try to adapt whatever content that I have into those uh, specific places. Now, it's interesting because, Joel, you mentioned adapting the content. And, and I feel like, Alice, you definitely touched on the whole idea of, of, of making adaptations as you move along. I, I mentioned this at the top of the show, but the kind of idea about personal brand. Like, where, where do you stand on that? Do you feel like, you know, like, do you identify, Joel, you're like, oh, JavaScript and PHP, that's who I am. It's what I do. Like, that's what I tweet about. You know, people come up to me on the street and they're like, yo, JavaScript. And I'm like, yeah, but PHP too. Like... Um, does that change like as you're like, well, as a matter of fact, now cloud um, and also, you know, cloud storage is not what I've been talking about before, but it's also kind of what I do and I'm into. Uh, do you find that that was necessary as part of the shift to a new position? I think it's important to, um, you know, be open and, and learn about all those new technologies. But I, I still want to, I, I think my, my personal brand has always been about um, introducing stuff to developers. That's what I've always tried to do. Um, I took concepts that were um, in security a little bit harder to, to understand and then tried to, under, to explain those to developers, um, not to junior developers, but in a way for developers that are not familiar with that specific topic. And now I'm trying to do the exact same thing with um, cloud platforms. And um, so, so, so it's kind of, um, yeah, kind of still the same thing, I guess. I feel like for me, my experience has been that, you know, because technology changes and we're all sort of constant learners um, anyway, that we, uh, you know, can't avoid sort of splintering off from your community in certain regards. Like some people are just going to have different tastes in what they're into, PHP or Ruby. But in others, like maybe it's a little bit bigger uh, type of um, 
category that, you know, for me personally, I'm kind of switching gears away from the DevOps and SRE and incident management stuff that I've done for years. And I'm starting to get a little bit more interested and involved with artificial intelligence and machine learning and the different things that Microsoft has to offer with that because I'm kind of interested in it. And there's lots of stuff that, you know, I, I can basically do what I've always done, but just sort of change what I'm talking about. Um, but now, you know, so I'm sort of like getting exposure to a new community, but also bringing a lot of the other people with me into, you know, something that maybe they're also interested in. So it's like this, it's like this, um, I don't know, it's, you never really, I don't feel like you really ever like totally leave a community. Like people are a part of, they're, they, they're a part of a lot of different ones and we all have different overlapping interests that you kind of just move around and I don't know. I think I'm a little weird, unique in that my personal brand has mostly not been that significant, um, both in obtaining and continuing my role or continuing my work. I certainly use it. Um, I was definitely like a kind of face of Bitbucket when I was working on Bitbucket. But most of my followers are from esports. I started out running a League of Legends tournament for Riot Games. Like, th <laughs> those people don't care about tech nearly to the same degree um so and, and i even had to had to face that going into my first developer advocate role i had eight internal interviews to get a promotion to an internal role as a developer advocate and one person said well how many points do you have on stack overflow how many twitter followers do you have and i said i'll get them because <laughs> at the end of the day whether or not you're a quote-unquote thought leader today honestly doesn't matter. Like it is about being deliberate while in the role about seeing these gaps and saying, okay, well, yeah, like, you know, the Ruby community for, um, in this case, like content management, a box, um, that's going to be heavily in Japan. Um, so I'm actually probably going to have to work with the, the Japanese uh, side of the team within the company to make content for them. Um, and then talk with the sales engineers over in Japan about what kind of API issues they're running into or what issues with the SDK they're running into in order to target that particular demographic or if there's something within the community. I see a lot of people actually struggle not with necessarily the code parts, but we don't really talk about when and where you select an open source project to include for business use or for personal use. How do you go through some of the product thinking that's not traditionally part of an engineering role? And we find these like kind of meta gaps um, or these, these gaps in even understanding how to use our products and saying, here, let me help you. And this is widely applicable. You know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think we, we touched on this a little bit a few episodes ago when we were talking about, you know, are you tech or tech savvy? Are you technical? And I, I think sometimes people that are in our roles kind of get slapped with a, oh, not technical enough, not a developer anymore. Uh, that kind of spoilage to the personal brand or, or who people think you are because we do actually try to fill those gaps of like, yeah, I understand that I'm up here talking about, I don't know, monitoring and logging, how important that is to the DevOps infrastructure. But at the same time, I work for a company and they would like to make some money um, because they have to pay me. I also enjoy being paid. Um, it's, it, I don't actually, I don't enjoy being paid, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode. Um, if I didn't have to be paid, that'd be great, but I have to be paid. And so I need that money. So the company needs to make money. So, you know, I've, I've had people say, you're not technical. You're a shill. You're not technical. Like you don't, you don't write code anymore, which is untrue. Um, 
and it, because, you know, I, I have an intimate understanding, like even for the, the clients I have who develop dev tools, it's like, yes, they develop dev tools. Well, you don't code directly on the tools. No, I don't code directly, but I use them and I understand how they're supposed to be used. Um, and then on the other side, you know, going out from the community into the organization saying, listen, I understand what it's like to, to use this thing and what, why people are frustrated with this particular part or this feature or why it doesn't work. Um, and I think, you know, Alice, you mentioned, you know, being in esports and, and you said, well, it's not exactly a technical crowd. But they have different technical needs. You know, they're more of like a hardware-y type crowd. So there's still like, you still have to be up and understand like, you know, yes, you need a GeForce video card. Like it has to be awesome. It has to have a great processor. Your fans have to work. Um, you have to have like the sub water saline solution running through your machine to be the best you could possibly be. Um, and oddly, like, yet that's still discounted but it probably is incorporated into your personal brand. Like I imagine even now when you go out, people are like, you know, oh yeah, Alice games. We know she games. We know she does. Um, at the same time, you know, when I see Joel, I'm like, Joel and I have met at several PHP conferences, even though neither of us really do that anymore. Like I would still be like, yeah, Joel knows PHP. He knows what's up. Um, but at the same time, when you, you know, when you're at an old job or you're at an old position, are you thinking to yourself like, I, want to expand my community and therefore I will look for a position specifically outside of this community I'm currently working in? Or is it more like, uh, I will get a tangentially related community job uh, because I love the people and chances are there's some crossover. So like, I know that even though Jason's not in DevOps, I'll probably still see him at a few DevOps events if they're sponsored by Microsoft. I know he's involved in a few things. So I don't have to worry about losing Jace, the relationship with Jason um, if I remain in this overlapping community. Or do you just say, screw it, I'm going to go become a, you know, a farm advocate for farm equipment. I don't really know what other jobs there are outside of tech anymore. <laughs> yeah, get out of the house, man. I, I do. <laughs> Joel, do you have thoughts you want to hop on? I, <laughs> um, I, I, it's, it's a known factor for anyone who spends too much time around me that if there is silence, I will fill it. Uh, but when it, when it comes to like this idea of like expanding community, I don't like, I, I, I'm not necessarily super participatory still in handlebars or Node.js or like the front end frameworks that I had previously worked on. But whenever I was working on migrating the developer documentation, I had used this open source tool called Slate. And after working on Slate, I went and I did a large write-up about the different kinds of trade-offs that we had to go through and figuring out how to do some pre-processing for the side render of the navigation because that was really slow in JavaScript to have a full long page of all the different API endpoints. And still today, more than I get random DMs about anything else, I get asked about doing things in Slate. And can I do this in Slate? Can I track translation, whatever? Um, and so I don't think you ever really leave those communities because the thing about the internet, the thing about message boards and search is as long as the answers themselves don't age out, the thinking, the expertise is still represented. Like that is still there. Even if you are not up to date on the latest AI trends, you've touched on AI trends before you have some foundational understanding and the foundational understanding is something that many people are missing and that you can contribute back into no matter how long you've really been apart. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I was losing something as much as I was expanding my own horizons. 
um, and just changing focus. And it, I didn't lose that willingness. Do either one of you feel like there might be a company out there that you just can't go to because it would just be, it would create a negative thing for your, your, let's say personal brand, either because of something, something you've done in your past, something you've written some, or maybe it's like the closest competitor to someone you've worked for, but is there someone out there who's just like off limits for you? You don't have to say who it is, but is there? (laughs) Yeah, I think there is for me. Uh, I mean, it's I when I when I started looking for a new um, for a new opportunity, it was I was really looking at different companies that had values aligned with my own personal values, um, and I I have met people at <laughs> companies where I was like, yeah, no, not gonna happen. Um, so so definitely an alignment with the company values for me was very very important. So and you're saying that that despite probably. Th- whoever we're sort of um, theoretically saying is, is your community, you know, the people that you've always tried to, to advocate for and help, um, would they care at all? Do they have, is, is that rolled into it at all? Or is it really just about some sort of, um, you know, ethics type of thing with, with whoever I, you're considering? It's hard to say. I don't think I have a follower of um, major fans. Um, I mean, People kind I, of. I'm a up. fan of you, Joel. I'm a fan of you. <laughs> Thank you, PJ. But that, that's only for my gifts, right? <laughs> um, so, so I mean, I don't think that um, the association is is there. Um, not as much as we'd like to think as developer advocates, where we want to think of ourselves as rock stars. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure which extent it would have an impact. Uh, but for me personally, it had it had a major impact, though. Yeah, I, um, Jason. For sure, there are companies that I haven't even thought about applying to because for either a personal interaction with someone who still works there, um, a moral or ethical perception of the company. Um, and those, I, there is certainly um, an, a, a certain level of concern, especially I'm a pretty vocal advocate around diversity and inclusion initiatives, um, how good your healthcare is for people who need services that aren't traditionally for like cisgendered people. Um, and those are, those are concerns. Those are questions I ask in the interview process. Um, but I think more than like what the perception of the community is, I worry about the juxtaposition that poses with my personal identity and reconciling that within myself. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I think the interesting thing is, is I think when I got when I got into the game of, of DevRel, which was a while ago, it was less of a like companies didn't have this identity. Like they weren't so adamantly like trying to be their own personality, for lack of a better term, in in the communities you work in. But now it's kind of like there are certain companies where you look at them and you say, hey. I know for a fact your ideals don't align with my ideals. And as much as I would love to take your extremely exorbitant sums of money, I can't do that because A, um, I would feel like a liar. I would feel like I was, I was cheating the community out of something. And, you know, it's, it's, in some ways I think it's a pride thing. Like I'm not going to swallow my pride to take a buck. Um, and you know, I don't know if pride is the right word, but, but I think that was a good question. Like, yeah, I, I think there's definitely companies out there that, a lot of people in DevRel would say, "No, I can't. I can't work for those people um, because they have these, you know, ridiculous ideals." I know I could never work for the Republican Party. That's never going to work out. 
Yeah, I mean, the the thing that I have repeated to many people as they've come and asked me about job advice or we've talked about like job opportunities I had is I work to live. I don't live to work. Um, I'm, I, if there had been an opportunity that I thought would have made me happier and it paid less money, I would have taken that. Like the, we, we get really trapped in this idea that there is a pursuit of always getting raises and always getting more money. Um, and I think that creates a lot of dissatisfaction too, especially in people that are just starting out in this career, just getting into tech. Interesting. Definitely interesting. Um, so let, let me ask this since both of you have kind of, uh, changed jobs recently or, or in the recent past, whatever the heck that means. Um, how difficult was it to kind of get the new idea of what working with a, a new community or a new organization? Because I know in the past, like when I've changed from one place to another place, what they think I do and what I think I do is not always the same thing. Um, and the people that I think are the right audience and the people that they think are the audience are not the same thing. Uh, so how do you kind of adjust for that? Like sometimes it doesn't come up in the interview process. Sometimes it's not as simple and you're like, all right, cool. I took the job and now, Oh, you want me to train salespeople. Um, that's not exactly what I agreed to. Uh, so how, how do you kind of like, how, how does that run for you? Especially since both of you have done this recently. Yeah, for, for me, it was, um, I, I've asked a lot of questions during the interview process. So I, I guess I kind of knew a little bit uh, what I was getting into. Uh, it was really important for me to find a good fit. Um, so I did ask those questions during the interview. And I mean, I'm one month in now, and it seems pretty much aligned with what I had in mind. There's a lot of big differences and things that I did not expect um, moving from a startup to a very large company. Um, definitely is, is a challenge trying to navigate, find the right people. Um, and, and like you said, making sure that I'm actually, you know, sending the right message, the one that they want me to, to pass across. Um, so there's, there's a lot of learning there, but I think I, it's pretty much aligned with what I had in mind when, when I actually started the job. Uh, the first, one of the first things that I've done, so I've been at Box for three months now, I think actually, um today might even be like the 90 day anniversary congratulations uh, thanks one of the first things i did is i started sitting in on some some product meetings we were working on this new developer sandbox feature uh, and i was a little hesitant i was like hey like i don't want to jump in where i don't know what i'm talking about because i don't know the product yet but i was hearing people say well develop like like developers, this is the job they need to do. Like this is a, a task that they're already doing whenever they're going to making a free developer account. Um, and I paused and I said, why aren't we talking about teams of developers? Because we're largely working with enterprises. At what point are these enterprises sending one developer off on their own to make this whole custom workflow thing with, with their content? Like, and um, the PM over the project said, oh, that's a good point, and writes the question down. And I, I started to realize over the course of a couple of these interactions, um, while they had an idea of the projects that were being worked on for custom development, and they had an idea of the kinds of companies they were targeting that were like financial, HIPAA, uh, compliance requirements, things like that, they weren't, they didn't know what the developers actually looked like um, and what, what composed those. Um, so I started doing, I think I did more than 12 internal interviews talking to what we refer to as platform sales engineers. So people that are looking mostly at using Box for 
like a, a back-end service more than a consumer um, or like a, a consumed by people um, service. Um, I started talking to some of those sales engineers. I talked to sales engineers that just talked to everybody. Um, I talked to some of our internal services team, uh, sort of like systems integrators called Box Consulting. I talked to some partner solution architects. I, I talked to anybody who had like a pre-sale, post-sale kind of experience. And I said, what are you seeing? What sucks? What's your wish list? Like, what do you, wish, what do you want to have? Um, and I started building up what everyone else had treated as tribal knowledge um, to figure that out, to figure out who is it we're actually targeting? Like, what should our messaging be? And like, let's all get on the same page that we can approach these, approach this group of people in a way that's really empathetic towards what they're looking to do and not just what we believe they should be doing. That makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so kind of final question before we hit checkouts. Um, one of the things that we've noticed, at least here at the community policy, is a lot of times people get hired because of, like we've talked about community and, and, and your relationship to the community. Sometimes people do get hired because they have a certain relationship or a certain network that someone wants to tap into. Um, like, is that something that, like, is this a, I, this sounds like such a basic like e television question. Is this like a turn on or a turn off? Because I know that when I interview people, like, oh, you're really in touch with the people in PHP. Like, that's why we want to hire you. I'm like, ill. That's not why you should hire me. Uh, that's kind of gross. Um, like, is that a universal feeling? At least among the four people here. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I look really closely at job descriptions, and if you touch almost anywhere near a lot of that. If you, if you think that you're hiring me in order to trade on the brands that I've built mm -hmm. and I'm not getting to organically be excited and share what I want to share, probably not a good fit either way. It's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure to, to feel like that's, <clears throat> that's tied to basically this new uh, arrangement you have is that you're, it's almost like uh, PJ knows what this is like when if you're in a band and like you've set up a gig like they expect you to draw people into the into the door that's why they that's why they put you on Saturday night they know you're going to bring in a couple hundred people mm -hmm. so it's like all right so you whether we talked about it or not there seems to be this expectation and an assumption that like you know social media followers or twitch followers or whatever is going to tie back to something so you, you start to think that whether it's explicit or not that they're measuring things based on or they're going to be measuring things based on you know really the audience you're bringing in already which is just kind of like it's, a, it's a setting a high bar immediately i feel like has been my personal experience with you know any anyone who seems to be feeling like that that's the, the reason why they were brought into the situation. Right. Like let's, let, let's leverage this person's network and personal relationships so that we can further our brand. Yeah. So it feels like it's an aqua hire type of thing. You know, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, I agree. On the other hand, it was nice for me to be able to actually use my network in order to get started. It was already, um, you know, there's, there's this tiny little piece of thing that I can use and, and reuse at different uh, in my, in my new uh, job. And that for me really helped me to have a little bit of comfort, you know, changing <laughs> new work environment and changing everything and having that tiny little thing that you can still hold to onto uh, really made my life uh, easier. I think friend. that's, that's a little different though, because that's kind of like saying, this is my pen in my pocket protector. Um, whereas the, the other way around, they're like, Oh cool. We're going to take your pen because that's the part of you that we want. 
mm-hmm. um, which is a, l- a little unfair. I'm sure that there's, you know, anyone who's listening to this podcast has been in this situation. Um, but yeah, so hiring, getting new jobs, changing communities, it's kind of a, a, a difficult yet exciting and exhilarating thing. I think we'd all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for and, sure. Uh, the thing I was thinking of, and I, I wanted to make sure I was true to the quote, but Guy Kawasaki has a couple of quotes on this, but the first, and I think just encapsulates what we just talked about with hiring someone for their existing presence. The start of all great marketing is to have a great product. You can hire, aqua hire someone for their social media presence all day long, but if you're not starting from a good product place, it's all for naught. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that 100%. 100%. Yeah, otherwise um, it's going to be bad news for both parties, you know. For everyone involved. Yep. Uh, I, I have some personal experience with that, but that would be a whole other podcast episode. Um, that's when, when Jason and Mary are both busy and we have no guests and I just get on the mic and record my own stuff, which they never let me do for some reason. I don't even know why. Um, but on a serious note, thank you both for coming before we go. We're going to get into checkouts. Um, for those of you who listen to the podcast, you're familiar with the idea, just some things that are going on or things that we see or things that are cool to share. Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll start since I'm very talky today. Um, I was at, I've, I've, Oddly, so we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. I've already been to two meetups this week here in Buffalo. Uh, I just want to say, like, the one thing that I've noticed is I'm a little concerned about the lack of meetups in areas that I've gone to, places that I'm traveling. It doesn't seem to be as popular as it once was. Um, And I would like to reach out to anybody who's listening and just say, listen, you know, get out there, help, help with the meetups in your local area, attend them, host them if you can. I know not everyone can, especially with the travel schedule of the people we're talking about here. But, you know, it, offer to speak, offer to bring some coffee, see if you're, the company you're working for will sponsor a little bit pizza or a couple of beers or, if, or, or whatever, a game night. Doesn't really matter what. But get involved. Let's, let's keep that local tech meetup space ha- happening. I think it's very important to our ecosystem, um, regardless of where you live. You know, anywhere across the world, meetups are what build up the community. It's a way for people to get in touch with people. It's a way for people in DevRel to practice talks and, and know that they're getting good feedback. Don't let your local meetups go to waste. Uh, what else? Of course, I have to mention DevOps Days Buffalo is coming up uh, September 26th and 27th. Tickets are on sale. Uh, DevOpsDays.org slash events slash 2009 dash Buffalo slash welcome. Um, I will try to get a better URL for that. Uh, also the, the last thing I have is anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I love to listen to music. Um, and I usually promote albums that I'm listening to or something that I'm really into. Uh, for a while I was doing a thing from my Twitter account that was an album of the day and people were saying, Hey, please include me on that. Um, but it got to the point where so many people were included and CC'd on the tweet that I was running out of room to say who the band was or even the hashtag album of the day. So I've moved that and now you can find it on Twitter at PJ album of the day, all one word. Um, I'm, it's not every day, but it's most days. I'll put it that way. So those are my checkouts. Uh, who would like to go next? Yeah, I can go next. Um, there's a, there's a new tool that I've started using recently, um, which is uh, they, they dubbed themselves an open source personal CRM, which is called Monica. Um, and you'll have the link. It's, it's a great way to maintain information about all the different people that I meet at conferences. 
Um, so I, I just wanted to mention that one as a great tool to use um, for us. And recently I've, I've put a lot of thought, or actually uh, my brother gave me kind of a guilt trip about <laughs> the amount of air travel that I do, um, especially that um, I just came back from a trip around the world, um, which I did just for the sake of doing it. Um, and he gave me a lot of uh, hard time about the carbon footprint that I have. So I started looking into that and just, I mean, literally just this morning, I've discovered less.ca, which is a Canadian company, which will uh, help you. You just put in your um, flight where, from where you're going and where to where you're going. And they, you can just buy some um, carbon offset credits, um, which seems like a good thing. And I'll, I think I'll definitely start doing that uh, from now forward, from this point forward. I'll have to check that out because I actually, I think Joel, you know, I, I fly out of Toronto a lot. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll try to find a U.S. one and that'll be my Canadian one. <laughs> um, Alice? Yeah. Uh, so in the last couple of days, I started Never Split the Difference by Chris Foss and Tal Raz, um, which was all initially kicked off with like I was, I found the book um, referral through a podcast <laughs> called Banal Tragic from Shane Parrish. Um, I really loved an episode about decoding difficult conversations. I think we encounter a lot of those in business and in trying to show people the value of DevRel even within our own businesses. Um, so it's been super insightful and, and really enjoyable. Very good read. Very cool. Jason, you want to wrap it up? Sure. Uh, so this, this is another sh struggle for me to come up with something. I feel like my life is super boring compared to everyone else. <laughs> You've just been home all summer. I, yeah, I have been. Um, but I did, uh, I did come up with one idea, um, which led to another. But the first one is uh, in my boring time at home, I've been finally catching up on going through all my vinyl, all my records, and, and just deciding what I would need to keep and what I don't, and category, or not category, cataloging them on Discogs. And uh, even though it's been around forever, um, I, I always forget about it. And it's, it's, it is a really good service, and there's a couple apps out there now that um, even work even better than like the, the native stuff. So anyway, if you're not familiar with Discogs and you're just sort of a music person, uh, definitely a record collector, collector, I would go check that out. And then uh, another thing to go check out um, that I think is super cool. It's a Microsoft thing, um, but it's called um, Azure Data Factory, which I'd never really, I mean, I'd heard that term thrown around, but I never played with it. Um, but I'm having a ton of fun like doing using that thing, just sucking in data from all kinds of different data sources. So if you've ever needed um, some way to like just get a ton of data into something and then and then do something interesting with it, um, Data Factory is turning out to be a pretty cool little tool. Um, I'm currently trying to figure out how can I suck out all of the information out of Discogs and put it into Data Factory and then start doing some just kind of cool analysis on stuff. That'd be neat. Um, so I'm looking at their REST API, but I, I don't do enough of this programming <laughs> wizardry to know, to know what to do. Um, so I would love to work on a project with somebody. If there's anybody out there in the Twitter world would like to uh, take a look at the Discogs API with me and uh, do some fun stuff with it. So cool. Some mu music lovers out there. Um, and I think that's all I got. Yep. Awesome. Well, I think this is it for another episode of Community Pulse. Alice and Joel, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your very recent uh, hiring move, moving day type experiences. I think it's awesome that you took the time to spend with us. Uh, we will, of course, be back next month. And I think we will also have an after pulse for this episode. Um, 
before we close it down and give all the information. Oh, well, of course, I mean, follow us on Twitter, Community Pulse, uh, at Community underscore Pulse. Website is communitypulse.io. You can get Mary, PJ, Jason at communitypulse.io if you have show ideas or to give us feedback. Feel free to leave feedback on iTunes. Uh, and we'll see you next month. And I will leave you with this quote from the Notorious B.I.G. Make the ladder of success an escalator. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This has been another episode of the Community Pulse podcast. Find us on Twitter at community underscore pulse, online at communitypulse.io, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll see you next time.